Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance and Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The year is 2022, and every time I think about this year's Oscars, I just want to fall asleep. It's Unspooled Oscar Spectacular. everyone and welcome to Unspooled. I'm Amy Nicholson. And I am Paul Shear. Normally, we are looking at the best movies ever made, trying to find the best ones to send up into outer space. But we are doing something different in this episode. We are looking at the best movies of this last year, question mark. We're going to be talking about the Oscars. We're going to be talking about the movies that people loved and the movies that should be remembered. Uh, so much to get into. But Amy... Your thesis statement really jumped out at me. This is a sleepy year for Oscar-nominated films. I feel the same way. You you really just, like, scratched an itch I didn't know I had. <laughs> I know. It's hard to feel passionate about these films, even though on their own, most of the Best Picture nominees, not all of them, but most of them are competently done, pretty good films that I'm glad exist in the world, and yet... I cannot care at all. It feels so stagnant and sleepy and just like, yep, that's a list of Oscar movies. Well, I guess what I feel is it's safe. It feels so safe. And I don't know if that is because most of these Academy Award films were on streamers and we watched them at home. Like none of them felt like big movies with the exception of maybe like West Side Story, but I have my own issues with West Side Story in how it felt so not of the time that that almost dings it (laughs) for making it feel like it's a a theater experience. So there's so many things at play, but it makes me go, sure, whatever. I don't care. They're all good. Good for them. The way that I feel is I feel like we've gotten in a time machine and we've gone back to April 14th, 1969. It's a year of dramatic change 
upheaval. The 60s have just gone full swing. War, violence, sex, drugs, assassinations, people going to the moon. All this stuff is happening in this moment in time. And the winner for Best Picture goes to Oliver, a British period musical film. I mean, it's a, a moment where the Academy Awards are not at all like representing the excitement that's happening on the ground. And I just am clinging to this idea of 1969 because my hope is that next year things will wake up and we'll have something like Midnight Cowboy win the Oscars. We're due for like a Midnight Cowboy level shakeup of what we consider to be an important, interesting film. I just want our films right now to feel like as vibrant as the life that we're living. And I'm not seeing it in any of these nominees. No, I mean, that's that's mean and it's harsh. I don't mean it overall so big, but I'm tired of playing it safe. Like, do you know what these Oscar movies are doing for me? They're making me go back and be like, I think I've been too hard on Zola because I would rather see Zola up here than like West Side Story. You know, who needs a West Side Story? I like Zola a lot. Look, I want to be saluting great, grand, insane films that challenge us and, and kind of rock our system to the core. But it does feel like there's this overriding sense of keeping it safe. And I don't know if that's reflective of the time that we're living in because we're coming out of COVID. A lot of these movies were made during COVID. And as someone who's worked in productions during this time, there is this energy of you know, we're making something, we have to be very focused on it. Everything is very safe. Maybe it's just reflective of what we're coming out of. I mean, when you're talking about Oliver, you're talking about an explosion of what's going on in the world. Here, I think we are like slowly but surely coming out of our shells. We're like a little bit of like a groundhog peeking out to be like, is it safe to do anything else? And I know that not all these movies were made during COVID, but it has the feeling like they're smaller casts, they're in these little zones. And it's ultimately, I think, a lot of feel-good movies, that that's what people want. They want to feel good. So I think there's an element of all of these movies, not the Independent Spirit Awards, but all these Oscar movies that feel like elevated lifetime movies. Yeah. I mean, I think what I feel is maybe what you feel, that there's like an element of self-consciousness to what people see, what gets made, and what people nominate. Yes, what people want. Yeah, or what people think they want versus yes. what they actually do want. This is that's you know exactly. what it is? These are nominations for people nominating on behalf of someone else, it feels like, in a way. Like, yes. These are the ones that we all should agree on, right? Not the one, personally, I would have picked something weirder, but like this is what everybody else would America want. America needs it, this now. This is what we yeah. want. We need this. And I think- America needs a new West Side Story. America doesn't need, oh, a movie like Red Rocket where Simon Rex is running around with his dick out the whole time. Like, no, <laughs> I, I kind of think America needs Red Rocket. But, but that's, oh no, that's just me, the individual thinking that on behalf of everyone else we shall have our west side story then we will all like it i know 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 it's like if the oscars were the way that i feel when i like go home and see my family on holidays and i bring my because thanksgiving is usually around the time of um oscar season for us critics it's when we get like all of our dvds so it's like when i go home for the holidays and i bring a stack of dvds but i bring the dvds i think everybody else will want to watch not the ones i want to watch and you're just like, on behalf of them, I'm assuming they want to watch Parallel Mothers, which is actually great, by the way. And not like me wanting to watch Annette on my own. But, but that's me like not even trusting other people's judgment. But and I feel well, like the I Oscars think that are doing that on a large scale. we zone where we don't want to rock the boat. We all are suffering from a bit of PTSD. And the want is to ultimately not challenge us again. 
right? Just watch something that we understand, we know the beats of, we're going to feel the emotions in the right place, even if it has a little bit of darkness, we're going to feel something else. You know, and this is not to speak yeah, for the all the films. the bad will be punished, the good will be fine, just like, you know, the, happens the, in Nightmare Alley, The person Alley, who is challenged will come out stronger. But let's talk a little bit about what people wanted to see and what people paid to see this year, because I think it's interesting, too. I don't think that those movies are very different than what we're talking about for the Academy Awards either. Just because they're popular, they were also uh, very safe. I mean, first of all, Spider-Man No Way Home, which I know a lot of people say uh, should have been nominated for Best Picture. And I'm going to actually throw my hat into the ring and agree with that wholeheartedly. I know a lot of people really wanted uh, the Avengers films nominated, but this as a film, I think did a great job of concluding a trilogy, but having really strong emotional beats, visually really fun. It made me wa- it. It was the movie that brought me back to the theater. Yeah, right. I mean, but it. Yeah, I don't know about best picture for me, but I feel like it should have definitely been up there for original screenplay. Like yeah. take Belfast yeah. out, put put Spider Man in. Beyond okay, I'll, yeah, I'll, 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 I think it should get some acknowledgement. Um, but again, it's a sequel, right? And we're looking down this list. And I'm just going to like name them very quickly. If anything jumps out at you, uh, tell me. But pretty much everything is a sequel that made money this year. Spider-Man No Way Home, Shang-Chi, Venom, Black Widow, Fast 9, gotta give it up for Fast 9, Eternals, No Time to Die, Quiet Place Part 2, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And then in the 10th spot, Free Guy, the only movie not based on any IP, not a sequel, and kind of this weird uh, birth of this Sean Levy-Ryan Reynolds partnership, which we just heard now is a continuing into the Deadpool universe. But Free Guy is a movie that, in the top 10, is the only fresh film. Because you keep on going after Free Guy, Jungle Cruise, based on a Disney ride, Godzilla vs. Kong, sequel, Dune, reboot, remake, you know, but I'll give that one a little bit more space to live. Halloween Kills, and then you go into this kid-friendly zone, right? Where you go to Encanto, Cruella, Sing 2, Space Jam, uh, and then another, what do we got? Sequel, Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, Candyman, Reboot, Boss Baby, Sequel, Adam's Family 2, Sequel, Suicide Squad, Reboot. Oh my God, you're making me want to commit Suicide Squad. I mean, we don't get to an original... An original film, I mean, number 25, I didn't really even hear about. Have you heard about the Demon Slayer, the movie, Mugen Train? No. Um, (laughs) Demon Slayer, the movie, uh, after his family was brutally murdered and his sister turned into a demon, uh, Tanjiro Komodo's journey as a Demon Slayer began. Tanjiro and his comrades embark on a new mission aboard the Mugen Train on a track to despair. This obviously is on a tracker a, a, to despair. I mean, I think on a track exciting. to despair, tr- uh, tr- like a train track to despair. Despair. But I haven't even heard of this movie. Um, no, but that <laughs> list you just read. I mean, it makes me feel like I'm in an abusive relationship with Hollywood because I'm listening to it and like I mostly feel miserable. And then part of me is like, well, I did like Black Widow. I guess that I one's fine. And like I'm, the things that I'm finding myself settling for, like, oh, he's mean to me, but he bought me flowers. Or, or, <laughs> or, or like it's making me love stuff like Free Guy. Because, I mean, I don't know if you saw The Adam Project, the new movie that Sean yeah, Lee and Ryan I haven't just seen had. that one yet, no. Yeah. I mean, 
like that's another movie that I thought was like super fun. Just came out on Netflix, not based on an IP. And just the fact that it wasn't based on an IP makes me love it. Even though every single thing else in the film is like, I took this shot from E.T. I took this plot point from Back to the Future. It's a hodgepodge. Still, it's like it's 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 a. It's a franchise movie in spirit because it just reminds you of everything you loved as a kid. It doesn't feel original, and yet it's the closest thing to original that I feel like we're getting I to will taste take in a big it. budget. I mean, so, and- yeah, but that's what I mean. I'm like, he doesn't beat me on a Wednesday. Like, it's so sad. But what- that. <laughs> but I, look, I love this stuff. You know me. I am the popcorn guy. I love Godzilla versus Kong. I was, that was a fun, uh, actually that, that shot of Godzilla real- flying. Oh my god. Uh, oh. No Time to Die, I thought was a awesome ending to the Daniel Craig, James Bond series. Obviously, Fast 9, always a fan. Um, I like how weird fucking Venom is. Like, yeah. in that world, like, good on you. Like, m- whatever Tom Hardy is doing over there, like, God bless. Like, it's fucking bonkers and Wait, I kind of love it. Did I tell you that I went to that creative poodle grooming competition and the winning no. poodle was a poodle that they made look like Venom? And they, <laughs> like you have to really picture this. I don't, you know, creative poodle grooming competitions where they let yeah. the poodle grow its hair out really long and then they dye it crazy colors and they shave it over the course of three hours to look like designs. Yeah. They took this poodle and like the whole front of the poodle was venom, where like the top of the poodle's head was like where the eyeballs were. The nose was like the beginning of his mouth, but they painted it so that the whole open outstretched mouth of the poodle went down to like the poodle's kind of breastbone. And then they used fur and they used it to be like fangs coming up. It was outstanding. They gave it a tongue. Like it really pushed forward the medium of creative poodle grooming and like, wow. you know, Hell, bring that spirit to the Oscars, man. I was like, you really, I don't even see a dog when I look at this poodle anymore. You've really just like broken my brain in half. Well, I mean, I think we're talking about this moment where obviously it's a weird year for films. People are finally going back to the theater. Spider-Man, because it's number one, is really the movie that people decide it's safe to go back. You know, so all these numbers are a little bit weird. But just talk about in the sense of box office, we don't get a Academy Award nominated film in this box office run. Oh my God, you're right. There's not a single one of the best pictures. And you know, and the animated films are a little bit higher, but as far as live action is concerned, the first film that comes in that's kind of an Oscar film is House of Gucci at number 27. And then you get down as you go a little bit lower, you see like In the Heights at 36, which I don't think is even nominated, or West Side Story at 38. You know, so it's like, these are lower on the list of films, but we have this, you know, this kind of glut where, okay, it's a year where not many people go see things. Most Academy Award films are on streamers. And even the ones that are on streamers, I don't feel like people are talking about. There's no real like energy behind them. Like I haven't heard anyone talk about Nightmare Alley besides you. <laughs> and I do not you, say flattering things about no. it. No. Um, and, you know, and, and you then, know what? that's actually kind of perverse too. I'm like, these are all playing it safe. Nightmare Alley does open with like a guy biting the head off a chicken in super gory, bloody motion. But yet that movie still just feels safe as hell, no matter how many chickens you bite. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. 
Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. I would say that the the biggest films that are nominated for Oscars that were spoken about and without controversy, because obviously Power of the Dog has had a lot of like controversy around it lately. Uh, Sam Elliott on Mark Maron's show, which is so funny to me. It really does make me laugh, like his take on it, especially when you understand that he is not a cowboy and he just kind of grew up in <laughs> California. Uh, but uh, oh even God. if he was a cowboy, he's not a cowboy of that time. <laughs> he's, no. not, he's not an authority on cowboys. But anyway, I guess the two movies that were maybe this popular opinion film that a lot of people saw were Don't Look Up. That was really online. A lot of people are talking about Don't Look Up and Dune because uh, yeah. Dune was a huge, huge release that was on streaming and people had this issue, this push-pull. Should you see it on streaming? Should you watch it on IMAX? How should you see it? And I feel like those are the two big movies that probably are the most commercially successful, even though a movie like Don't Look Up is not released in the theater. Um, those are the ones I think a lot of people talk about. And I would say a distant third is Licorice Pizza, because that, that may just be my own L.A., New York world of people talking about that P.T. Anderson movie. Yeah, it definitely felt like there was a solid four-week stretch where every single night somebody Instagrammed themselves in front of the Licorice Pizza Theater. Yes. Oh, my God. Everyone got down to that theater. Forget <laughs> it. I wasn't going to go <laughs> that, that far. But that was great. That, I mean, I love that kind of stuff. That makes me that makes me feel like movies matter again. You know, that people are like, I'm going to the theater. I'm going to see the movie. Like, I care about catching up with this piece of the conversation. I mean, if we just run over like the 10 best pictures, like really quick, honestly, those are probably my favorite ones of the list. Um, Licorice Pizza, Don't Look Up and Dune. You know, and, and I, not I think drive I- Not my car. Drive my car is fine. It's fine. Like, it's really not my speed. It's a movie that like, I reviewed on the radio. I gave it a good review. It's a movie I respect more intellectually. Like, oh, I appreciate how you're doing this and what you're saying and how you're putting it together, but it doesn't move me mm -hmm. deeply, you know? Yeah, Whereas, I get that. Whereas Don't Look Up, I feel like that movie's so polarizing. Everybody I know either like loves it or hates it. And that excites me. And I also think it's a little bit tedious when people criticize a film for like saying what they feel like they already agree with or something. I don't know. I feel like people have are so flinty about thinking they're getting preached to. And I think that they took it out on Don't Look Up. And I feel like I appreciate how Don't Look Up, you know, is just bold and passionate and angry. Like that is an angry movie. And I love that about it. Well, I think where Don't Look Up suffers is it comes out at the tail end of COVID, right? This pandemic where I think a lot of the the analogies of the film, I think climate change could stand in for COVID. And I found that to be just a problem with the release, because I do believe this movie is clearly about climate change. But because it's so on the nose, it also felt like we are still hitting the points 
about COVID. And I think that that further polarized people on either side of it, where I think it was trying to unite people. Like, look at how everyone is dumb, not politically how people are supposed to be in a way, because I do believe that across the board, our politicians can be Democratic, it can be Republican, and you can still be making bad climate change decisions. I think it's more about how the machine, media, politics, and even commerce all kind of come together to fuck over people. And I do think that in watching it after COVID, I couldn't help but think about COVID. And then it made me almost like, yes, I understand climate change, but I also felt like it was this weird stand-in for what we just lived through. We did it. We we literally did it. It's like idiocracy shows us where we will be, but don't look up showed us what we just lived through. Yeah. Or idiocracy took like 10 years to wind up being about the present, which was really scary how fast they made the future happen. Yeah. And don't look up. I mean, that to me, everything you're saying feels like that's why I think Don't Look Up might have the longest legs out of any of these movies. Yes. I think watching Don't Look Up again in the year 2030 will be fascinating. If we make it that long. If we make it that long. Um, maybe maybe you can pantomime it for me when we're sitting around our campfire trying to stay warm and eating people's stray cats. But I guess I'm just responding to that that kind of like that anger and that passion for being about something. Because like this is not an observation I can take credit for at all. Like um, my friend, Chris Connolly, who I really think of as like a mentor. He's brilliant. Oh my gosh. He I love Chris Connolly. He's the absolute greatest. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. One of my favorite brains. I love talking to him. He pointed out to me that one of his big issues with Belfast was that it wasn't angry enough that when you watch Belfast, you know, like Kenneth Branagh's movie about like growing up during the troubles, living in Belfast, that the deep sweetness in that movie kind of extends to, you know, the people who are nominated for like supporting actor, supporting actress, like um, Sierra Hines and Judy Dench as like this little kid in Belfast as his grandparents. And in the movie, like the grandparents are kindly and they're like, oh, it's terrible how these troubles are happening. And wow, does all of this things get started and they're being supportive and like loving him. And Chris Conley was like, you know, that's not how this works. My family is from Ireland. It's the older generations that are the most angry that stoke hatred and are like bringing their like hatred forth into the next generation. And they kind of whitewash where the rage comes from in the in the town. And I thought that was a brilliant point, actually. You know, like that movie just wants to be so kindly that it gets it strips away the anger that I think would make it more believable and make it more complicated and interesting. Well, here's what I'll say about that. Uh, I want to say one thing about Belfast, which is I think it's wonderfully directed from a visual standpoint. Like that movie blew me away and I was really completely surprised after seeing a handful of Kenneth Branagh's latest films. I was like, wow, this the stylized way that he approached this film just kind of took me back. I was like, wow, well, good, good on him. Um, but I will also defend it in saying, I believe it's through a child's eyes. I don't know if it was fully effective because... I think when you do a movie like that, you need to show the other side of it where the audience is understanding something on a different level than the child is. But I feel like you really are just looking through the child's POV and you're not really seeing the other side. So I see what your argument is. I also just want to go back to Don't Look Up briefly and say, but my issue with like Don't Look Up is we had more conversations about the controversy around the movie, the polarizing nature of the movie, than about the movie. And I That's feel like that... true. Like that God, me, that is way too true about so many things, yes. Yeah. And we're seeing that across the board. Like, across the board, this idea that, well, like I mentioned it earlier, 
what did Sam Elliott say? Or what did Jane Campion say about Serena Williams? Like, it's like, what? Like, these issues are not about the actual film. They're about, like, a statement made. I believe that Will Ferrell and Adam McKay's relationship got more attention than Don't Look Up. That was the leading story, all about how Will Ferrell was supposed to be in winning time, but their relationship fell apart. Like, that was the story of Don't Look Up. And it's a bummer because I don't think that people are talking about the about the movies. And I, I think Licorice Pizza fell into this TikTok issue where it got labeled as being racist. And, and then it also, on top of that, got put in this category of being a movie about pedophiles, right? Because Alana Haim is older than Cooper Hoffman. Which is and what then the it, movie's about. It's not an accident. <laughs> but it's also like not a movie. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. and I don't, I'm not trying to sit here and be like, well, it's technically it's, but it like, it dilutes what that movie was trying yeah. to do on some level because it's like, well, <sighs> what a bummer. What a bummer. And I understand the criticism of John Michael Higgins' character in that film. But the movie just gets reduced to those two things. And that's the arguing. That's the that's the conversation topic about it. And then we just well, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and it's and I think it gets reduced to those two things primarily by people who didn't even see the movie. I mean, I'm not a critic who's like, you must have this. You must be this tall in order to call yourself a film critic and blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, you need this pedigree or whatever. Like, I think all smart people who love movies are critics. And I love the giant conversations that we can have on things like Twitter. However, it does feel like lately the conversation is dominated by people who haven't seen a movie and have just heard one fact about it and are announcing loudly that they'll never see it and this is why. And then they, they drown out all other conversation about the film. Well, yeah, our film criticism is going the same way that we feel about politics. It's like, I absolutely believe this and that is done. You know, and it's like, and and then, yeah. whereas it's so interesting to have a conversation. I am a big fan of Ryan Johnson's Star Wars and yes. that is a, a lightning rod of Twitter controversy still to this day. Every now and it then, the every six Star months. Wars film next to Star Wars. Every now and then you'll look and you'll see like Last Jedi trending. Why? Because someone got their butt all ruffled up about it. Um, but, you know, Batman, we're seeing that with Batman right now. People absolutely hate it. People love it. It there. Um, but, but at there's least not there's not that one thing they're like. Just clinging to about mm -hmm. Batman? No, I mean, I'm saying like because very like, rarely. You know, I feel like I would trade out West Side Story on all of its nominations for In the Heights. I actually really loved In the Heights. I thought I, In the Heights was so emotional. I saw it twice. I cried. I, like the Patience and Faith number, beautiful to me. Like that that number, that whole show. I mean, the lead Anthony Ramos. I thought he had so much charisma. I adored that movie, and then it also got reduced to like. A controversy, mainly argued yes. by people who didn't see the film. And like, there's so much love in that movie that that argument left out. And it just broke my heart. And it was like, then well, we canceled Rita Moreno for a week. It's like, what are we doing? It's a it's a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. And what I was I guess what I was saying was the nerd culture still is able to debate these things. I think Star Wars, Batman, you can get into these debates. But a lot of the times what we hear in a quote unquote like art film is a thing. This yeah. happened. That happened. And then everyone takes sides. So yeah, I applaud. there's no debate. It's like, I have announced that it is problematic. And therefore, if you say, really? 
then you're in trouble. Well, now, by the way, am I being lame? I love Tick, Tick, Boom. I'm bummed that Tick, Tick, Boom is not on this list as uh, one of the best pictures. I thought it was awesome. You know, it grew on me. I reviewed it. And when I reviewed it, like my favorite thing about it was Andrew Garfield. I thought, I thought, and I still think he's incredible. I'm really glad that he's nominated for best actor. Yeah. But it, and I sort of huffed because I didn't think, you know, the songs in this movie were like as good as the songs that he will later on write. They felt a little bit like young to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But that said, I thought that movie was done with a ton of visual originality. And it it, like, you can tell how much Lin-Manuel Miranda really cares like it feels like a, it feels invested with like a passion. I just felt like it was a different story and it was an interesting backstory. And my issue with West Side Story is ultimately I know Spielberg is an amazing director, right? Like and that film in many ways is just like watch me do this now. Watch me in my later yeah. age outdo the original West Side Story. It looks of that time period. It is beautiful. It's well done. Like that shot of Ansel Egort looking at his face in the puddle. Gorgeous. Awesome. But why? Why are we making this movie? Because it looks like a Broadway production. It doesn't feel like the 50s. The original West Side Story doesn't feel like the 50s. So we're not updating it. We're not doing anything. And I appreciate that we're just recreating like the the moves and the the story. But I'm also like... uh, no. Why? I, yeah, why? Why? You know what it is? Do in like, the Heights is just better. D- it's in, just better. in the sense of new. And it's it has new. something to say. Like to me, West Side Story, Steven Spielberg making West Side Story is like LeBron James having a 52 point game in a losing season. It's like, right. sure, go ahead, like score your 10,000 assists. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's like, yes, you can do this. You have done it. It doesn't matter as much as like originality matters or like a whole season of winning. So you can tell I'm really traumatized by the Lakers this year. I, I like, mean, I was going to bring up something. I was like, well, I mean, <laughs> uh, just ask Scotty Barnes yeah. how he feels uh, that LeBron bounced the ball off his head uh, out of anger. My God. I know. But it just, yeah, it feels like showy for the sake of showy without actually like contributing anything to the medium of film. Like I thought West Side Story was badly perfect. directed. Badly it's directed. Perfect. No, badly I directed? I think it's badly directed. Like, wow. honestly, I very much prefer the original because watching this one, what I've really missed was any sense of heart or passion in the love story. I didn't feel it at all. And you know, we've done an episode on like the original West Side yes. Story. Not a fan of Natalie Wood in this movie, but there was still like love and heat and energy, I think, especially coming from Rita Moreno. And I don't think that's in this movie. I don't feel anything between that couple. I feel like every time they're like getting near each other to start seeing each other's faces, he's distracting himself by shooting some beautiful shadow. Like he's it, not really, you're, he, he focuses all the attention on how cool his shots are and nothing on like the human beings at the center of it. And I, I feel care. like that the, what I would say is it is very true to a recreation of a Broadway musical. Like it has that amount of depth to it at a certain point. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I enjoyed it. I like it. It's fine. It's not, I don't think, well, it's weird because I'm also like, well, it's so, I was wowed by what I saw on screen. So I'm very mixed on this movie because I do think it's well-directed. I do think it hit all the beats it needed to. I just don't understand why we needed it. Well, and now, and now because it didn't make any money, now somehow a gigantic musical done by Steven Spielberg is able to position itself as an underdog 
And I just think all of that is so ridiculous. Like this, like, I've got to stick up for West Side Story. Nobody bought tickets. I'm like, yeah, so like it, it's West Side Story by Steven Spielberg. Like you, it, it doesn't need you to have its back the way that I would say something like, like the Green Knight needed you to have its back, or well, or even I want to like, get in. I okay. I, I, I want to get into Green Knight, I, but I want to just go through some of these here too for a second because I want to talk about a movie that I don't think was actually visually well directed, and a movie that I really had. Oh my gosh, I went through so many emotions with, um, and I think I've come out liking it, which is Coda. Mm-hmm. Like Coda to me, and I'm going to say this in the best possible way felt to me like a lifetime movie. Like it it had this easy going, like it didn't it didn't feel like an Academy Award film. It didn't even feel like an independent film. It felt a little glossier than a dirty indie. It it felt mm-hmm. uh a little less lackluster than a big budget film. So it kind of fell in this middle zone. I'm like, wait, what is this? Are we just celebrating this because we're actually, you know, watching these amazing hearing impaired actors do something that we haven't seen. Yeah. And and I and I will say first 5 I was like, "Ooh, I'm in." Then the next 15 I was like, "I don't know about this movie." And then am I crying at the end? Yeah, I'm crying at the end. God damn it. It worked. It worked and and the acting is great and I was I was moved. It worked for me. But that's the oddest one of this bunch yeah. in my opinion. Like it I mean, really yeah. is. I remember seeing the trailer for Coda this summer. You know, in like, I think late May when we were able to go to theaters again and seeing this trailer for Coda. And I was like, my parents can't hear, but I want to sing and thinking, oh, my God, that looks like the worst movie on the planet. I don't need to see that at all. And then, of course, it getting nominated for a bunch of things and me being like, fine, I'll go see this movie. And it's fine. It's fine. I think there's a little bit of like a cute, adorable, patronizing bit to it, like. Oh, we've just never seen, you know, hearing impaired actors talk about sex. So great. Like this right. movie is like important and shocking. It's like, okay, sure. Um, I don't think those parts, like, I think if those parental characters were not hearing impaired, people would not be like, how well written and wonderful, you know, but they no, are if this is a, likeable. If this is a like, story, if this is a story about... <laughs> A family that runs a fishing boat, very much like Anthony Mackie's family in uh, Winter Soldier uh, and uh, <laughs> Captain America. Uh, I don't think very it would much have like the, the resonance. Bubble gum shrimp company. Yeah. Uh, yes, I mean uh-huh. we would. I don't think it would have this much resonance. But I do think seeing a movie that's a atypical view of the hearing impaired community is actually something that I think I really appreciate it. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And honestly, like looking at, at the supporting actor list. Troy is probably one of my top two people that I want to win. I think he's oh, really yeah. funny in that movie. I think he's, I oh, think he's, he's funny. funny. He has like great comic timing. And I think I'm glad he's nominated. I am still surprised that this film is nominated for best picture, but eh, like, but I don't mind including the love for it, but you're right. It is weird. Cause it doesn't seem big in the way the other ones seem it's big not or big, heavy but it's or monumental. Different. It's different. Yeah. It's feel good. And I do I do want to applaud that because I do think we just sat here and said, well, these all feel like the normal things. Coda feels to me like the the underdog in the sense of who made it, who's in it. Of course, Marley Matlin's in it uh, and she's amazing. We know that. But this is this is a real 
surprise film. And maybe it's a surprise film because it's on Apple TV plus and we and people more people got to see it or experience it. I don't know. I don't know how that all kind of works together. But I will say very rarely do we get a film with this actor and crew around it that is not known. It's not it's not a star studded event. Although we actually did this last year. We had the sound of metal. (laughs) That was like kind of in the same slot of best picture of like people really like that. Nobody thinks it's actually going to win, although God knows Coda could win. It's a weird year. But it was like, we love it. And we have, you know, a hearing impaired actor. So it is kind of funny that I guess maybe it's creating maybe we are now establishing a a new Oscar genre. But I guess what always bums me out is we'll look at a movie like this and go, well, diversity that's diversity, right? And it's like, and I, I hate to belittle anything like that because I also feel like that sucks. It's like, a, a, like it feels like it devalues the whole process when it's just like, this is the loan. We've put this one forward. You will represent our inclusion now. You know, that's um, a lot to put on anybody's shoulders, any of course. Shoulders. And and then when you look at stuff that is going on in the Spirit Awards, where it's nominated there, you know, I I'm surprised the Lost Daughter isn't in the CODA spot. Like, to me, The Lost Daughter, to me, feels like that's the Academy Award movie and CODA is more of the Indie Spirit Award film. And it kind of is flipped. I know. I really feel like The Lost Daughter should be in this um, for Best Pick. And I feel like Passing, the Rebecca Hall movie, should be in the Best Picture Mm -hmm. slot, too. That movie is fantastic. If people haven't seen that one, that's amazing. And I know that me complimenting passing on the surface kind of seems like, well, that's just another black and white period piece about like serious issues that seems very Oscar-y, which is true. It does. But that movie is incredibly witty and smart and funny and thoughtful. And it doesn't, I don't think it plays it safe. And I really appreciate that movie for existing. I, I thought for sure passing would be up here. That as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, that's one of the big Oscar contenders. And it just isn't. It and, just isn't. And The Lost oh. Daughter is wonderful too. And another one of these Oscar misses, like Lost Daughter, in my opinion, or the typical choice, is like, come on, come on. Because come on, come on. Oh, yeah. Feel good movie, wonderfully acted, great lineage of interesting actors in it, doing something good. But that movie really seemed not to break through at all. Like in the smaller art house circles, for sure. But like Mike Mills, who I think is a great director, and Joaquin Phoenix always, I think, is making very interesting choices across the board. Like that to me feels like easy Oscar bait. Yeah. But and it was you know, it's really black good. and white. I thought Woody, that little kid, he was wonderful in it. Wonderful. He's fantastic. Gabby Hoffman is great in it as like Joaquin Phoenix's sister. Yeah. That was a that was that was a very good movie. It's I mean I guess it just feels like that kind of movie you see it, you're really happy you saw it, but you don't come out being like, you've got to see, come on, come on. Like it doesn't have that like mojo to it. But it's right, but it's I mean do you do you, good. But I mean, does it have more mojo than Coda? Does it have yeah. more mojo than, you know, King Richard? I, I like think there's a, a certain idea that it's like all these movies kind of feel the same, ultimately. Yeah. Like if we're putting them on some level, not saying that they have the same plot, but the same kind of we're hitting all the same beats. So then I go and look at the movies that we haven't talked about yet. And this is where I want to get into Green Knight, which I think you and I both agree is one of the best movies of this year. And I feel like that movie did not get enough attention at all. And it makes me wild because it's such an inventive, interesting film that I think could have snuck into the Oscars because it also has this connection to, you know, something bigger, but visually storytelling wise actors across the board. That movie, I feel like is a 
should have been, ooh, that would have been the interesting choice. That should have been the Nightmare Alley, like yeah. in that slot, right? Like, ooh, yeah, but Guillermo's got that slot of the, ooh, we're, you know, we're going to do the the weird one, you know, not to say that Green Knight is weird. It's not weird. It's just like, it's just a little bit left of center of the typical Academy Award. Yeah, film. no, it should have been there. I would take every single nomination that that uh, we gave to Nightmare Alley and I would give it to Green Knight. I mean, hands down. I mean, but it Green should, it should get production getting... design. It should have gotten cinematography. It should have. I feel like, honestly, I would have taken Denzel Washington out of actor and I would have given it to Dev Patel because De- Denzel Washington's Macbeth is not great at all. Like, I think I think the Macbeth is like just the weakest Macbeth I've seen on screen ever. Mm. And I think Denzel himself has no take on Macbeth and who he is and what he wants. Like, there's just nothing in in that character at all. He's just sort of going through the motions. He gets a little bit better in the second half, but he that movie starts so poorly. And I think a lot of it is just like him and, and Cohen not having anything to say besides we've made a good-looking Macbeth It's movie. visually beautiful. It's um, visually beautiful, but there's no, like... What? I mean, but there's no like. I mean, tragedy is in the name. You don't feel yeah. any tragedy no, in this movie I agree at all. And like, there's just nothing to Denzel. Like, it, I don't it, get why he's nominated. But that's another film where I'm like, it's just like, yes, we're gonna, you're gonna just check that box every time Denzel's in a movie. He's gonna get an Academy Award nomination. Mm-hmm. And 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 I love him. I think he's great. I agree with you that I don't think it's the strongest Denzel performance. I think that he's missed out on. Plenty of awards for better performances, but I also feel like it's like Meryl Streep. Like once you're in, you're always he's got to run that circuit all the time. And God bless him. Let's give yeah. him as much of his flowers as he wants. But um, exactly, and I won't blame him. I mean, it is his performance. I will put more of the blame on Joel Cohen because I think it's also a pretty weak Francis McDormand performance. Well, so to me, think, that just says there's a problem with the directing from the get go. Well, do you think it's because they're not together as the Cohen brothers in this film? I wonder. I mean, it it just feels like he had nothing to say. It just feels like he had absolutely nothing to say. I mean, we're in a moment where I think we're getting really interesting movies about what it means to go after being rich and what 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 does that do to your soul? I mean, all of the interest in something like Secession, I feel like if you put that zest into the tragedy of Macbeth, this idea of like pursuing fortune and riches for no reason other than just the need to get it. This is also coming out of the fact that I just saw the Lehman trilogy um, Mm. in LA here, which is like also about just like the generations of the Lehman family pursuing wealth for no reason. And there, to me, these three things all kind of have something in common where like it, the pursuit of money is the goal. And you don't even really see the characters like enjoy spending things, enjoy being, you don't see Denzel enjoy being king. You don't see Brian Cox enjoy being rich. You don't see the Lehman Brothers enjoy being rich. It, they, there's an emptiness to the way they portray greed that I find really interesting. But you still need the character to have some sort of motivation, well, complication, interest. Can I just argue something, that? And Denzel doesn't have it. I'll argue that uh, our producer, Josh, brought up it felt like a formal exercise. And I feel like that's what West Side Story feels like. It's like, I, I'm going to try this. I want to do this. I'd like to I'd like to try my hand at it. And it feels more like an experiment in filmmaking to be like, oh, let's see if I can create something that feels this way instead of I I'm drawn to. I don't know. There's something yeah. interesting about it. Like Again, we're talking about reboots and sequels. Look, these oh, are reboots. You know what and- it is? Oh, it's so annoying. That's what's annoying me about this is like 
It's reboots and sequels from people who already got to have their career telling interesting stories, taking up space of people who are actually doing interesting things with their career telling interesting stories. It's like, I made my money. I got my clout. Now I can redo all my favorite things. I can redo Shakespeare. I can redo Nightmare Alley. I can redo West Side Story. And it's just these people taking up slots from the people who are doing interesting stuff. Well, And so again, I would say... Damn it, as much as I was conflicted on on Zola, I'd rather have Zola up here. I, I want to talk because about it's at Zola. least somebody yeah. doing something. Zola should be in, again, should be having nominations in the Academy Awards. Uh, I am a I am a friend and a fan of Janixa Bravo. I'm excited to see what she continues to do. I loved her first movie. I loved her shorts. Uh, I think Zola to me is beautifully directed, wonderfully acted. And when you take something as as loose as like a, a Twitter thread and you can make it as exciting as it's like a Michael Mann movie, you know, or or that or what we just talked about with Boogie Nights, like that third act of Boogie Nights, like there is an energy to it that gives you exactly what you want because it is just a Twitter thread told, but at the same time it elevates it I I am a fan of everybody involved in that, and uh, I I I really really I think the only thing I really had a slight issue with was uh, Nicholas Rutherford, who I felt was very cousin Greg. It almost took me out yeah. of the movie because all the other performances felt so uh, alive and electric. And maybe it was because it was coming off of me watching a lot of Secession that I was like, oh, this just feels like cousin Greg. That that would be my only ding on it. I mean, I thought he was very funny, but I also felt like I didn't know if I bought uh, that relationship a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd Coleman have, Domingo. Oh my god, I'd rather have Taylor Coleman Page. Domingo up here for supporting actor than Jesse Plemons for Power of the Dog. Oh, like yes, Jesse Plemons is just yes. doing his Jesse Plemons thing, like that he does in everything. Like, put Coleman up there. Coleman's incredible. Coleman is fucking awesome. And by the way, Janixa Bravo should. I I think that that would should have been a. A uh, Janix and Jeremy O'Harris, who has Slave Play out here in L.A. Uh, right now, um, should be maybe nominated for Best Screenplay. You know, that, like, like that's a great that's a great way to acknowledge Zola at the Academy Awards in the traditional sense of, oh, we give this to people that we're looking out for that are making interesting things. And, you know, I feel like that would have been a, you know, a, a, a tip of the hat. I'm not saying I would do that. I'm just saying, but that feels like the Academy Award tip of the hat that they would get yeah. that. It does. Um, it does feel like everybody interesting gets shunted into screenplay. But even this year, the screenplays aren't that great. Like, no. I mean, the worst person in the world is fun. That's a fun movie. I was. I'm, and, I'm glad that they put like they put in a film in there. Well, but. yeah, worst person in the world. I think is a blast. I mean, I really like yeah. that movie a lot. I wanted Nicolas Cage to get something for Pig. <laughs> I I feel like Nicolas Cage has been dancing around a rebirth and this new movie that he's doing where he's playing himself might be the movie that pushes him there. But pig is maybe just suffering from the distance in which it came out. Cause it came out really early in that Academy Awards cycle. And sometimes yeah. that is uh, a problem, but that's uh, a good performance. It is a good performance, but pig has a soft spot in my heart. Cause it was the first film that I saw in a theater at a premiere, like 
in for after COVID and to be able to go to a film that had tiny cheeseburgers after it, all I wanted all of COVID was to be able to like, just go back to yet another kind of premiere party with tiny cheeseburgers and pig had that. And it just meant the world to me. I know that that's <laughs> so silly, but it really, it really just, it, it will always be special to my heart. I, I thought pig was great. And then it lost me. Like at the very end, there was a moment where they're all sitting around the table, having a conversation about, well, she's dead. She's gone. She's dead. And it was like, there's so many dead women and dead pigs and dead mothers and missing, missing women in this movie. I can't keep track of what woman you're using to make this feel like it has dramatic effect anymore. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm not saying that pig should be nominated. I think that Nicolas Cage yeah. should be nominated. And, and in the sense that I felt like he did a really good performance. I do want to just like kind of hit one thing and not to go backwards, but you and I both felt so strongly about Green Knight. We just talked about it. But why wasn't it represented in the Independent Spirit Awards? I mean, that to me was shocking. Do you have a take on that? No, I don't know. I really genuinely don't know. That to me feels like a real omission. I don't know if it's because Red Rocket's there. So we know that A24 is mm-hmm. obviously gunning to get their films in there. Was it yeah. also there is, something that suffers? I know there's a suffers? budget cutoff, but I don't know what the budget cutoff oh, okay. is or if Green would have gone over it. I'm glad Red Rocket was there, though. I mean, Red Rocket is just wonderful. Also, Susanna Song, who plays the... Oh, the, the girl who plays the teenage donut shop walker, who becomes a very big part of that movie, is absolutely marvelous. Just absolutely marvelous. And to me, like when I was doing my critic voting, I kept listing her over and over again for supporting actress because I thought she was wonderful. She was like, she's high up on my list this year for supporting. Jesse Buckley was. Um, Ruth Nega, of course, for passing. We've got Kirsten, who I think is fine, but Power of the Dog is just so cruel to her. Um, I think she's pretty amazing in that movie. I. Yeah. I am. I liked Power of the Dog. I saw it. I didn't think I was going to like it. As someone said to me, you didn't think you were going to like it because of those damn hats in the poster. And I was like, you know what? There's some. There's an energy about it where I think we talked about this a little bit on the piano. Where I was like, I just, I don't know. Am I in the mood for this movie? And it just got me. It got me in a way that I was surprised at. And, you know, different films get you at different times. Like I remember seeing... Uh, that movie last year, The Assistant, which I thought was wonderful, and I didn't think oh, that yeah. got enough uh, play either. But it, there are just sometimes a movie will hit me, and I will be less cynical about it. I felt that way about West Side Story too. I went in there going like, oh, I don't know, I don't even like this other one. Uh, how am I gonna like this one? And I was like, oh, I'm I, I'm one <laughs> over by it. I'm one over by it. Well, you know what I went into feeling really grumpy about was being the Ricardos. That was mm. one of the movies I took to Thanksgiving. I was like, everybody will want to see Being the Ricardos. I don't necessarily want to, but I'm sure everybody else will want to see it. Having the moment that I felt like I was going to have when I put it on, I was like, Nicole Kidman is nothing like Lucille Ball. Why are we even doing this? What's going on? Like, what is the point of any of this? Feeling really grumbly that the script, especially in the first half, was just like inserting all of the biographical nods that you might know if you've ever kind of skimmed a book about I Love Lucy, you know, like mm-hmm. how Lucy really tried By to By the make way, sure there's that- a great documentary that Amy Poehler just made that's on Amazon right now called like Desi and Lucy. Yeah, uh, I which haven't is, seen that yet. It's really, really good. Uh, Amy Poehler has now been, uh, you know, directing a lot more film. And this doc is really worth your time. If you're a Lucy fan, it is a, and it's great footage they got. It really is interesting. But anyway. Continue. I'll have to watch that. Because, but yeah, like getting into like Lucille trying to make sure that Vivian Vance didn't, you know, show her up or nobody knew that she was as pretty as she was. And so I was sort of grousing through most of the movie. But then the way that 
the Aaron Sorkin pulls together at the end, like that he's telling a story about this couple who actually can only live their life as a happy couple on screen. And the way he like sets up the compromises that Lucy makes in order to stay married to Ricky and to keep their like TV show life together. And just kind of the real brutality, I thought, of like the closing shots and the seeing how this woman who we've seen throughout this movie be like so brilliant, so capable, smart, tough, really creative, really funny. I like I like Aaron Sorkin showing us how like a comedian works through a joke and hones it and, and improves it and makes it perfect. But seeing this be a movie at the end about like making a compromise that nobody appreciates, that gutted me. That absolutely gutted me. So like I went from really ridiculing this movie all the way through to being like, oh man, why aren't we talking about how great the ending of Being the Ricardos is? That said, I still don't feel like she should be nominated and neither should J.K. Simmons. But what are you going to do? I, I There's an issue that I have with that movie, which is purely based on the way it was marketed, because I do believe they're like, hey, we got you. This is it. This is going to be your award movie. And I can only tell that every now and then by the amount of of shit that gets sent to my house that was being the Ricardos. (laughs) I would say five to one of Ricardos versus everything else. For every five pieces of Ricardos, I got one piece of another film, like screenplays, books, DVDs. And, you know, granted, I'm in a handful of different, uh, you know, uh, guilds and things of that nature, but it's like they were pushing the hell out of this movie. And I do feel like, talking about the lifetime of it all. Yes, it's very good. Aaron Sorkin is always going to do a good movie. The performance of Nicole Kidman, better than expected. But it's also like, yeah, fine. Have you like, given fine. in? Have you given in and gotten that Nicole Kidman shirt that says, you know, heartbreak feels good in a place like this? I, I should get that shirt. I <laughs> that I, I will get that shirt. I should get that shirt. You should get that shirt. You should get that I, shirt. To me, I, I feel like that. that will be one of my touchstones of pandemic times is owning that shirt, owning my shirt from Four Seasons Total Landscaping. These will all <laughs> just be my inside jokes that will that I hope. I will still laugh at in the year 2030 when we are reevaluating what should have been nominated this year. I will say that I give some props to Spencer for making that story like a horror film, like this, like yeah. this idea of like, and and I think that movie also kind of got swept under the rug a little bit, but I do feel like, ooh, well, that's, that is different than what I expected it to be. Yeah. Right. Whereas the other ones are very much what I expected them to be. Like the Lucy, the being the Ricardos, I agree with you. I think the ending is, there's great stuff in it. But I, I got it. I understood what it was to be. And he yeah. he paid off on the emotional impact of it. Right. Like it wasn't just a retelling for retelling's sake. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that is making me think about how many of our like actress nominees are just people playing people that you already know. We've got yeah. Tammy Faye and Lucille Ball and and Princess Di, which yeah. I would say I thought Jessica Chastain was pretty fun in Eyes of Tammy Faye. And Andrew Garfield is also, I think, pretty fun in that movie. I don't think I heard anybody talk about that movie. But um, no. but, you know. I feel like that movie was probably lying to me most of the time about what really happened and trying to make me like her a lot more. Like it, it's a full court press of why you should love Tammy Faye, but I did wind up loving Tammy Faye. And maybe I'm just being very cynical about disliking Tammy Faye. I don't know. Like, I, I Are felt you like feeling that movie, the same way that you felt about Tanya Harding? Yeah. I felt like I was being a little bit like, like I didn't trust the eyes of Tammy Faye, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching the eyes of Tammy Faye. And, and also 
it is one of those movies where I think like the costuming and the carpeting and everything kind of walks away with what you're paying attention to. You're just like, oh my God, look at her shoulder pads. Oh my God, look at that. And the delight of seeing all of the costuming. Yeah. Like the Tony Harding movie kind of takes over paying attention to what it's actually about. I have a real issue with, and this is not an, this has nothing to do with Tammy Faye, but it has more to do with this idea of, ooh, I like that podcast. Let's turn that podcast into a uh, a documentary, or we mm-hmm. love this documentary. Now let's turn that into a narrative series. Like Carol and Joe, that, you know, Tiger King narrative series. Do we need these things? Like, do we need to see there, if there are better, do- like, what are we getting from this? Sometimes I feel like just like Macbeth or like West Side Story, it's an exercise. It's like, oh, we can, mm-hmm. we can do it. I'd like to play it. But there, sometimes I just don't understand what, what we're getting from these biopics that we haven't already seen in multiple other realms. And, no, you know, and every now and then there are these ones. I'm not saying that that's uh, across the board. Tick, Tick, Boom is a beautiful example of, whoa, I understand what Rent is. I never saw Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, but I under I understand Jonathan Larson in a different way. And I thought that was beautifully done, right? That's a great, yeah. like, to me, like, tell that story. But, um, and you can't tell that story as a documentary. You could, but it it's bringing something more to it, you know? Uh, I'd even go as far, you know, to make this all Lin-Manuel Miranda specific, but, you know, that's why I think Hamilton's interesting. I was like, all right, we're going to tell the story of Alexander Hamilton, but we're going to do it this way. Like, let's put a spin yeah. on these things. Sometimes it's so straightforward. Again, that's why Spencer is at least, to me, like, trying. Let's do it a little bit different. Let's give it a little bit of a spin. And... It's and true. make it more film worthy, not just biopic. Yeah. Spencer is a cinema. Spencer is an actual film. Yeah. I mean, I guess if there's one slight compliment to say about all of these like biopics, is that at least none of them are like kind of cut and paste inspirational the way that like yeah, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg was. That it's yes. all about complicated women, not like, and here you didn't know King about Richard, how great I think, she is was. like that too. It's yeah. like King Richard's like, yeah. this is a complicated really. So I think that we're opening ourselves up to these heroes that are not necessarily role models and there are things to like and there are things to criticize about them. And I think that that's interesting as far as like an evolution of who we can be supporting because not everybody has to be a perfect person to be someone that we admire or someone that we look up to or someone that inspires us. Like they, their art can inspire us, their achievements can inspire us, but sometimes as people, and this is something we wrestle with, I think, in this world of, and not to put these on the same level, but like, you know, well, how do we feel about Woody Allen? How do we feel about Roman Polanski? How do we feel about, uh, you know, these people who have been canceled, who have done really interesting work? Can we still appreciate the work? Can we separate them from the people? And I think that these stories- The way people stories, have been grappling with like William Hurt dying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there is a there is an interesting argument to be made there that we're working out with safer people. Right. Like, you know, on some level. But I think it's it's part of this conversation of we some of the most interesting people are not straightforward. They're not all good. They're not all bad. Yeah. And and they may be misunderstood and they may be. And, you know, and, and look, I'm not this is a longer conversation. I'm not trying to say the, that these people are all the same. But I think this idea of accepting that people have certain limitations and certain uh, deficits, but also have a really amazing story, too. Yeah, I feel like once we get there and then we get to the galaxy brain that like 
we too have our own flaws and deficits. Maybe we'll be like more of an advanced cultural species. Well, I think uh, that but, we, I think, yeah, I think it's like we have to stop holding people on such high pedestals for, you know, you can't just be perfect. I think that very few people are perfect. Uh, you know, and, and, and even, even the people, people that are annoying, making them yeah, they're not as inspiring because I think there's something about being selfish. There's something about being uh, narrow minded and and aggressive with successful people. Right. They have to be like they to get to a level where you are the best or you are or you've done something that has changed the way we look at you know, something that we've accepted yeah. our entire life. That that doesn't come from someone being very easygoing. <laughs> I mean, know? I will like, say then that that makes me excited that at least two of the best actress nominees, the ones that are not nominated for playing, like, you know, actual people, um, that Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter and Penelope Cruz and Parallel Mothers, those are great, complicated female roles, both of mm-hmm. them. They're both outstanding. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I want our actresses to be able to take on. Like, Roles about women who do things we don't like, who do things we don't understand, that we don't disagree, that we like really powerfully disagree with even, that do things that women aren't supposed to do on screen. Like, I think those tools are wonderful because they show that like, you know, being a mother is not always like easy. Um, That being a mother comes like a lot of like complications to it, that people can be like impatient and selfish and want to eat cake and not want to be bossed around and be like snobby for reasons that have nothing to do with anything. And like, I, I adore both of those. And of those two, I kind of want to see Penelope Cruz win Best Actress this year for for Parallel Mothers. If people haven't seen that movie yet, it's just marvelous. It's like, to me, that is like the performance of the year. And like a screenplay that doesn't solve all of the questions that it raises. And it just has people living strange lives and making decisions that don't necessarily even make sense. And it's it's messy. It's really messy. And it's just fantastic. I have to see it. That's one of those films that is still on my list. I've been desperately trying to catch up. Oh, I think you're going to like it. I'm really curious for you to see it. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. I also don't want a short shrift animated because I think this is a really interesting year for animated films you know starting last year Disney plus I think in an attempt to stave off losing a shitload of money just started releasing their animated films on the streaming platform uh, before they were in the theater or at the same time and I think that that's opened up these films and we have a really interesting batch of Disney films this year and I think polarizing Disney films we were talking just before the the episode started like 
the opinions on Encanto are across the board. You know, I could talk to June, who's like, that movie destroyed me. Uh, you know, and I could talk to my kids who loved Raya and the Last Dragon. And, you know, and uh, and conversely, like, I loved Luca. Like, you know, I love Lucy. I love Luca. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the, but like, but to me, those films all share a similar DNA, which is the Disney DNA, the Pixar DNA, which are always going to give you, I always feel like this way about Marvel too. The worst Marvel movie is a B. Okay, you know, there, years ago, there is no Marvel movie that's an F, right? They're they all, they're definitely all at not. Least a, they're, they're all at least a passing grade. I, I, I think that the Even worst one yeah. is Thor Dark World, which I think the, the Marvel franchise has done a hell of a job at reconfiguring through other series to make it look better. It's like... Like they they retcon that movie into being okay. Like oh, all those things that you hated. Here's the reason why it was actually good. Um, you know, I I and Devin uh, brought it up. Age of Ultron is yeah. Age of Ultron is not my is not my favorite. I I think that Civil War was was the 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 correct sequel to Avengers. Anyway, but um, but again, Age of Ultron is another movie that they retconned into getting it back. Anyway. I want to point out the movie that I'm most excited by, which was Mitchell's versus the Machines, because this is another one of, you know, a Lord and Miller produced, you know, directed by Michael Rianda. I love this movie. And I love this movie because it it was representative of something I haven't really seen. It's a family movie, but it 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 breaks out of the Disney mold and brings forward so many different ideas. I just I found it to be really exciting yeah the same way i found spider-man to be exciting it's really clever and like it's breaking sort of formats of how we tell animated movies like it's Mm -hmm. so chock full of like asides and goofs and memes and blah 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 blah. it like it it has a restless energy to it that i just found honestly refreshing you know to to see just like a movie that wasn't that like really seized control of the type of editing style and tone and speed that it wanted to and it like handled it very well and i thought all the jokes kind of circled around in a wonderful way i like that it was just a story about a girl who wants to be an artist at its core about like what it's like to be an artist but not in a way that had to make it like preachy about all femininity or like anything like that oh and i got that i just related so deeply to that character and like looking for your weird people in that moment of like Getting ready to try to find out where your community is, like your next community. I loved it. I mean, there was something very similar to Coda in in a way about this, you know, take away the aliens. But I will say what I think people forget sometimes, too, is that Lord and Miller not only did this with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which mixed styles and made it exciting and just made you leave the theater going, holy shit, like that made me like... These movies make me pumped up, but you look back and I, because I have kids, I look back often like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is yeah. fun like this, too. They, there's an energy of their movies. They really the elevate Lego movies, Lego movies like they are elevating what animation can be. And but yet it's still very accessible, but they also deal with big plot points like the idea of like what the Lego movie is at its core Again, finding purpose. Who are we? Like, what are yeah. we? What what are we good at? And 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 this idea of like, I mean, the way that the Lego Movie kind of wraps up. Uh, and not to go backwards, I'm just saying that they have been doing this effectively for years now. 
And each one gets better and more interesting in the casting choices and the topics that they talk about. And I know there's been a lot of talk because of this don't say gay bill in Florida. And then it came out, well, Pixar actually minimizes a lot of, uh, you know, any sort of queer behavior in their films. And to see a movie like this, where it doesn't have to live in any of those Disney issues, is cool and exciting and fun and it makes you feel like I hope this inspires the next generation of animators because we've been living in a stew of Disney and Disney will make a great and you know I'm the defender of Disney but Disney will always make a great movie but these will further the art form like these are pushing these these movies past where Disney is can even do it Disney can't push it they can do representation they can explore different themes but these movies are like lifting the art form up over its head. Yeah, I feel like Disney has gotten quite good at honing a template and trying to shift it in ways to like include more stories in its template, but it mm-hmm. isn't breaking out of its template. I, you know, I agree with I'm that. I'm a young girl turned into an animal for the 90th time. Um, but <laughs> but, I, but you know, yeah. I will say too, that, that movie that I referenced earlier, the Demon Slayer movie, mm-hmm. that is, you know, the highest grossing anime of all time, right? Uh, and that uh, in Japan, like that, that movie is huge. And that's the reason why it's on that list. Uh, I don't know if it would have made that list if we had our normal theaters open this year. But that's another example of, you know, that's where I think we often look to the art form of, of yeah. animation being pushed to extremes, like what's going on in the world of anime. And I think oftentimes we we probably, uh, you know, live in that world or of the Ghibli world, but there's so many Mm -hmm. interesting things. Again, I didn't know what Demon Slayer was. I hadn't heard of it. But when we went to go look at it, we saw like, oh, wow, this is incredibly beautiful and big and bold. And it it just shows that there's a lot of stories you can tell in this world. And it can be, yeah, I don't know. Including Flea, by the way. I mean, I think Flea is also using animation to tell like a documentary story really, really, really well. I mean, it reminds me of like Linkletter, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it also like even shifts animation styles within the own movie to kind of sometimes it makes things crisp. Sometimes it makes things more sort of like vague and impressionistic. Like the only reason I don't really want Flea necessarily to win animated is, A, I think it'd just be nice to have Mitchells versus the Machines win. And B, I think Flea deserves to maybe win documentary. Although I also would kind of like to see Summer of Soul win documentary, but maybe Summer of Soul was just sort of magical and fun and it can live in that little box that it lived in, which is just like a great movie to dance to and Flea can win that one. I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm even well, playing any I gamesmanship. Mean, I, I always just like to spread the wealth and have as many different movies when as possible. Yeah, I guess there's a part of me, by the way, I'm very excited about Richard Linklater's new movie that is at South by right now about uh, the launch of the Apollo uh, Apollo 11, right? Oh, I think yeah. it's yeah, it's I'm supposed to be really to interesting. That. It's like a, a, a autobiographical animated film. But there's, am I dumb in saying this? But I'm gonna I'm gonna just go out and say it. I say a lot of dumb shit on the show. Uh, I want my animated movie to be a family movie. I think there is something about being able to have excellence in a film that is meant for everyone. And like I think that the Academy Awards does some amazing things for films that are adult and that may not appeal to everyone. I think that there's something about that award. Can you work within the confines of a family film and make something that is high art? I don't know. I don't know why 
I want my animated <laughs> film to be that. Well, like, well I, then like, you definitely I, should not watch any of the animated shorts because they are no not shorts are different. Four kids this no, year. No shorts oh are my different. God. Shorts, I fully believe, are different. I'm just saying for like yeah. the feature films, there's something about it where I'm like, because I think you can do really interesting things with an adult animated film, but I yeah. also feel like there's something really cool about. And and as now as like a parent too, I I like having a movie that I can enjoy watching with my family that it's good like that is actually like that i want to watch i've watched so many dumb as shit films uh that you know i i've almost appreciate the art form even more okay but paul i want to play a game with you then because you're much better at guessing oscar ballots than me just based on the names of the animated shorts i'm assuming you haven't seen any of them yes am i right i have not seen any of them okay i just want you to look at the names of the animated shorts and tell me name alone what you think is going to win Okay, this is this is where I this is my when I tell people to like fill out their ballots, I often say, do it just by name. So give me the names and I will pick it for you. Okay, they are in alphabetical order: Affairs of the Art, Eastia, Box Ballet, Robin Robin, and The Windshield Wiper. Ooh, this is a hard. This is a hard year. Um, Affairs of the Art, Bestia, Box Ballet, Robin Robin, The Windshield Wiper. I'm going to say Affairs of the Heart. I'm going to say oh, Affairs, Affairs of the, of the Heart. Art. Affairs of the oh, Art. Oh, Affairs of the Art. Okay. Yeah. Then I might say Windshield Wiper. <gasps> I would hope that's correct. Uh, to me, Windshield okay. Wiper is the best one. It's the best okay. one. Yeah, the, that, the, that, yeah. that was my original gut. But when I heard, when I thought you said Affairs of the Heart, I was like, that may be the one that... That pulls it up. Um, all right. So windshield wiper yeah. is where I, my, my yeah. gut went. The windshield um, wiper is actually by the guy who did some of the sort of uh, like animation style book for Spider-Verse. He wasn't okay. the animator on it, but he like did a lot of the inspirational illustrations for it. It's it's fantastic. There is a film in here that's about that touches on bestiality and animal rape. And it is so dark. It is so dark, but it's actually really well done. And if I didn't think it was too dark, I wouldn't mind if that also won. That's bestia. Um, but now that I've brought everybody down, we can move on. But here we are talking about Academy Award not taking chances. They do take chances in these other categories, which is why I think <laughs> which it is. Which won't be shown on television. Which won't be shown on television, <laughs> which uh, Jason Momoa and Josh Brolin are going to be hosting those awards what? that are all cut from TV. That was just announced today. What are they? Um, uh, what is the Academy doing? Just show uh, the Oscars know, and who cares about ratings? Well, I guess my question to you now, after we've talked about all this was this a good year for film? Or was it a weird year for film? I think it was a good year for film, a weird year for nominations. I would really like to hope that we're in a moment where, you know, sure, Oliver's nominated this year, it's 1969, but next year we're going to get Midnight Cowboy winning Best Picture and all bets of what an Oscar movie we thought in our head were are now scuttled to the ground. Like, that's what I want for us. I feel like we're at a moment in time that reminds me of the late 60s, where we just need that new generation of filmmakers to actually get the attention that they deserve. Which, by the way, brings me to the movie that I think is already my favorite movie of next year. I care so deeply that I hope this movie gets Oscar nominations. It will probably get a screenplay nomination, I suppose, if it gets anything and have then, therefore, the the right of us all knowing it should have been nominated for everything, but it's the greatest movie I've seen and I really want people to go see it. The new Daniels movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once with Michelle Yao. 
that is exactly the kind of movie I want the Oscars to be rewarding. It's like ambitious, funny, emotional, crazy, takes a million chances and like pulls it off. I can't, I can't ever feel depressed about what movies are doing right now because we're getting movies like that. We just need people to know that they exist and to reward them and like appreciate them when they're here instead of waiting forever. And I'm a big fan of the Daniels. They actually directed uh, some NTSF episodes and uh, Children's Hospital. And those guys were visually uh, so ahead of the game. We shot a promo trailer for NTSF that was so funny and completely imagined by them. And uh, I'm I'm so excited to see what they continue to do. Obviously, uh, they did the the farting corpse movie, uh, which I think <laughs> most people refer to. Yeah, yes, people yeah. refer to it. But um, I, I, I also want to call it Very emotional. Yeah, I want to call it one movie, too, that I think is not technically even eligible to be nominated for anything. But um, I loved uh, Barb and Star go oh, to yeah. Vista Del Mar. It's such a funny fucking movie. It is such a shame that... I couldn't see that in the theater. Um, I thought it was absolutely uh, fantastic, and I wish I could have been surrounded by people laughing at it. I want to call out a movie that I feel like... It is a crime that it's not nominated for Best Original Song, at the very least. Oh, I mean, I think it is technically past the eligibility standpoint. Somebody told me. The other movie that I I don't even know how you classify it, but in and of itself, I thought was a beautiful... It was a... um, The... Film adaptation of Derek DelGuardo's uh, in and of itself, uh, a, a show that I saw here in Los Angeles. I thought that was a beautifully done, uh, uh, you know, a live pro- capturing of live performance, but also made to not just be the same way I think that Hamilton pulled it off. I thought that was really good. That film and, scared me. That guy could be a cult leader if he wanted to, and I don't like it. He makes me nervous. Like, <laughs> no, that that magicians have that ability, I think, sometimes to, to kind of do it. I want to call it two more. And, uh, of course, I think we haven't talked about Summer of Soul, which is a great doc. If you love music, you got to watch Summer of Soul. It is uh, phenomenal. And uh, there's one more that I'm just... I'm, uh, <laughs> well, producer Josh is yelling at us to mention Titane, which, yes. I was going and I was <laughs> going to end on Titane, but we'll talk about... Let's talk about Titane now. Uh, so, Titane, I have not worked up the emotional uh, fortitude to watch Titane yet. Still. Yeah, oh. it takes me a little bit. I got to get in. those emotional weights. You're stretching uh, you know them what? emotional sometimes, hamstrings. Sometimes it just gets me a little bit differently. I have to get really in the mood for it. But uh, I I will. I will get there and I will watch. I just have to like, you know, it's not a movie that I want to put on at like 10 o'clock at night and be like, all right, let's, uh, you know, let's let's go for it. Um, no, but and, I do think Vincent Lindon, the, the dad in that movie should have been. He was one of my like deep favorite uh, supporting actor nominees that I did vote him and Cooper Hoffman for so many of my Critics Awards groups, and I didn't get any traction. Very sad. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, oh, and <laughs> the uh, the the final one that I think I just want to mention that I thought was fun, and this is not necessarily a movie that I think should be nominated for Oscars, but we're talking about different types of movies that were exciting for me to watch this year, uh, and that is uh, The Harder They Fall. I thought that that, that was, was fun as hell. Fun as hell. And it's like an amazing cast, like Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. It's just, it's, you know, it's an all black cast, uh, which is interesting. It's not like, I feel like in many respects, like race isn't like a major part of it too. It's just like a fucking great 
cowboy movie that is different and fun and exciting. Um, Energetic, some beautiful cinematography. Remember yeah. the, the shooting that's in the whole room full of people doing laun- like laundry? There's like white sheets hanging everywhere. Yes. And yeah. I want to talk about what our spoolies are talking about, but I also want to give the mic over to the people who listen to us talk the most every week on this show because they have great taste. That's our producer, Josh, our engineer, uh, Devin, uh, and our, our intern, Raven. I want to see what their picks, what we have not talked about or what they think that we might have slighted uh, so we can open up the mics uh, to you all, if you'd like to chime in with anything or take us down a peg for what we liked or didn't <laughs> like. Yeah, I'll kick off because there were only two things I really wanted to get into. One, one was Tatane, uh, which which uh, just because as you were talking about stuff like Green Knight, Zola, stuff that felt unpredictable. Talk about a movie that felt completely unpredictable, that felt like it had like three or four scenes that felt like nothing had ever really seen in a movie before, uh, that was just so, so messy in a way that like, I didn't even know completely what I thought about it when I, when I was done seeing it. Uh, I mean, obviously there's scenes where like, She's like fucking a car famously, but also scenes that just like where they're dancing to future islands or something. And, and that even that just still feels so like weirdly cinematic in a way I hadn't seen. It's just I'm so excited by everything Julie DeCournau is doing. Also, I mean, you talked about Dune a little bit, but I did want it. I, I think Dune ended up being my favorite movie this year. And I wanted to give it just a little bit more love as something where like I had that like. This this feels like what it's like to see like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings for the first time in the theater. That feeling of like a great new franchise being born. Something with, I agree. Like, I'm so happy they're going to make more of them. I, I really loved it, but it felt to me like, I think as I get further away from it, like a sizzle reel for what we will get. Like it felt like to me like The Hobbit was to Lord of the Rings. Like not the, not the uh, books, not the movies. In the sense that like, okay, we're setting the landscape, but I, I, I left... I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, visually great, amazing, gorgeous. I love his stuff, but I also felt like, oh, it's over. And it like, I wanted more. I wanted more. Sometimes, sometimes, I mean, it's it's like the Lord of the Rings thing because I actually think like Fellowship is the best Lord of the Rings, which is the mm-hmm. which is the big mm-hmm. like world building movie, the one that really like sets up the world and sets up the characters and everything. And then it's like you know, Return of the King is the one that gets all the Oscar attention, right? Which it feels of course, like the story yeah. Is no. done. And I think something similar might happen to Dude. I'm just so I'm just so excited by all the choices Denis Villeneuve made and yes. all the actors that they have playing them, and everything just feels like it's working perfectly. And so I also think it's the great, best. The best Jason Momoa performance yeah. in anything. Like it is fantastic. I'm I'm by the way, I'm being like slightly harsh on Dune. I really loved it. I'm just saying, like, I'm angry that we are gonna have to wait so long for the next one. Like, I like the idea of like they shot all the Lord of the Rings at the same time and we were on a schedule. Like, I feel like by the time we get this next Dune, it's gonna be like five years from now. Yeah. But I just wanted to give love to Tate and love to Dune, which is like I'm I'm beyond excited for Dune too, and maybe even Dune Messiah if they end up making it uh, to wow. really complete the, wow. the Timothy Chalamet. We can trilogy. only hope. I need to say that right now, producer Josh is holding his fists in the air in excitement. I talk with my hands a lot. <laughs> Titan is definitely something I wanted to shout out to. I mean, not least of which because Josh and I saw it together in the, the theater. Oh. It's one of the two movies we saw together last year, Titan and Old. <laughs> oh wow. Wow. Which is fantastic. <laughs> old which old which by the way, I had a really fun time Me with too. I, I, we I had totally, a great I'm totally time watching it. Old. Yeah, old, old is not old is not a bad movie. No. It is it is kind of like a throwback in my opinion to this is why I like 
there's certain like Hotel Artemis was a movie that I actually really yeah. liked too because I'm like, oh, make these movies that are that did they can be like these like weird little genre pieces. Yeah. Like we don't need right. them to be Jason Bourne or John Wick. And nobody kind of fits in that category too. It's like, oh yeah, let, let, let's make Yeah, like, nobody was great. Yeah, yeah, like let's have these fun, slightly leftist center films that aren't like easy to peg. And yeah. I'm I'm all down for or that. Or like Last Night in Soho, which I just realized. Well, that's oh what I was going to shout out. That's what yes. I came on here to shout out was Last Night in Soho. Oh, which yes. we haven't we mentioned forgotten. the entire episode. That yes. movie mm-hmm. was beautiful. It was incredibly yeah. made. The The acting was phenomenal across the board. It gave yeah. Dame Thomas Diana and McKenzie should have gotten a nomination. Absolutely. Thomas yeah. and McKenzie's fantastic. Anya T- Taylor-Joy is fantastic. And Dame Diana Rigg gets given uh, a fantastic final screen performance. I love Diana Rigg so very much yes and and without giving anything away to give her the role that they do in that film is it's just awesome it's such a cool way for her to go out um I, I will add a little anecdote that Edgar Wright came on comedy bang bang which I also work on uh, on the airwolf network he came on and we were there for 10 minutes before anyone else showed up and he told me a little story about Diana Rigg which is that in last night in Soho there's one voiceover that they need, like ADR pickup that they needed from her. And it was just the word, I think, what, what, you know, they needed it in a specific way. And she was already very ill. Um, Mm. but her, 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 um, son-in-law, uh, who is a musician, I forgetting now spacing which band he's in, but he knows how to record and everything. He got up and he got the microphone in her bed and recorded this last what, from her. And uh, Edgar said when he asked her to do it, he was like, look, I understand you're sick, so you can say no, you know, and she goes, she goes, please, like, I will work until the day that I can no longer work. And oh, wow. so that movie features the last word she ever acted. Wow. wow. Isn't that cool? I thought that was I such a cool love little... that. And yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is a movie that when I watched it uh, over Thanksgiving, I was like, oh, my God, like this. I didn't know what it was. And I think a lot of and I and I think we should, uh, you know, keep it a little bit quiet because I think it's better going into yes. that movie, mm-hmm. not knowing anything about it. And I had a different interpretation of it and seeing it. I was like, whoa, this is what this is. I'm in. And it yeah. is to me. I I know it's like probably sacrilege to say like, oh, like. I'm going to say it. Because I think I I kind of really lean this way. There's something about that movie that almost feels like one of the most complete Edgar Wright films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Shaun of the Dead, and that you know probably is the one that is probably my absolute favorite. But this one it feels like because it's not with Simon Pegg, it just feels like fully a full like I just I don't know. There's something about it that really just feels like everything that I understand of Edgar Wright is that movie, yeah. and it's genre bending. It's interesting. The casting is great. The, the way it was shot, I just really, really think I'm excited for more Edgar Wright based on the trajectory in that he is going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And r- worth shouting out for that movie, I think, Christy Wilson Cairns, who co-wrote the script with him. Yeah. I think I think the co-write between the two is kind of what gives that movie its power. I mean, he's always been a good collaborator, I think, but she's a new collaborator for him. And then you can feel that there's a new energy, I think, in that movie. I loved it. I And, 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 we, and we can't not talk about uh, Ann Taylor-Joy, who is also uh, yeah. uh, like just kills that movie she's just absolutely amazing in that and it didn't get a single nomination darn you nightmare alley for taking up all the room <laughs> well because again it's like these big names it's like mm-hmm. this is the thing it's like you want it's like this battle of like well we want everyone to tune in so we're gonna just ca- like i mean let's get the big names and the big names the big names just take up space yeah 
also not a single nomination for the French Dispatch, which uh, I know, oh, which I know right. you gave a lot of love that to French Dispatch. On the... That was mine. Uh, okay. okay. This oh, is, there uh, you go, Raven. Take mm-hmm. it. By the way, before oh, before you even jump in, Raven, I will say that French Dispatch is one of the movies in the top twenty highest grossing films of the year, higher than everything else that was nominated wow. and didn't get anything. So go ahead, make your case. Truly, it is shocking. I think. The French Dispatch is Wes Anderson's best film of all time. I know that critics have argued that it's his most self-indulgent, but I think that's what makes it fantastic to me. He goes full Wes Anderson. I think the performances are awesome. Uh, Bill Murray's back. I love him. I think the vignettes are so just nice and they all tie into each other. And I... You know, the aesthetics, of course, it's classic West, but there was a line that still sticks with me from the very last chapter with the author Roebuck Wright. Jeffrey Wright says, maybe with good luck, we will find what eluded us in the places we once called home. Um, And being a recent college graduate coming back to my hometown after about four years living in Boston, that line, even just thinking about it, I'm moved. You know, coming back to a place that you once knew as home and like seeing the things that maybe in your angry teenage years or even in your, oh, great, COVID wrecked my life. I'm back home type of way, you know, and seeing those things and feeling gratitude. And like I said, even now, just thinking about it, I'm so moved. And like that was just such a beautiful line to kind of encapsulate the whole story, which, you know, yeah, I would say like this is a snub to me. I was mm-hmm. truly moved by this movie. I, like I agree. That. I like that. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I feel like if our brain trust then is putting together the best picture nominees, we've got French Dispatch, Last Night in Soho, Titan, we'll Zola, keep Dune, we'll put Spencer. in Zola, Spencer, Green Knight. Spencer and we, I think we even talked about Come On, Come On, too. I mean, I would put Come On, Come On <laughs> in that list only because I think that, like, there's something about if you're going to put Belfast and Come On, Come On, like battle those two out, I'm picking Come On, Come On over Belfast. That's true. Oh, and Passing. And oh, and I Passing. Feel like, yeah. Then I feel like we'd have a really solid list. I, I'm interested in that. I'd I'm actually be deeply in invested in who would win in that. And I and I think it's worthwhile of uh, of potentially putting Spider-Man in there for best screenplay. And, you know, it's so interesting. There's so many great performances. I really, I know it's silly to say, oh, Tick, Tick, Boom as well, but I'm also... And in the Heights, um, I wanted to shout out one more thing. Like, I think that Andrew Garfield is very, very good in Spider-Man. And I know that he's very good in a lot of things, but he's like the arc of that character with the length of time that he's on screen. I know we talk about Bradley Cooper being amazing in Licorice Pizza, which he is. And it is a performance I want to rewind. Not better, though, than the casting director in Licorice Pizza. I rewound that scene five times because she is <laughs> fucking amazing. But um but to me, there is something about, uh, you know, anyway, I, that, like, I just want to shout out that he did it. I thought he did a great job. I don't I do want to also uh, just quickly talk about what the unspooled group. This is the group on our discord. Uh, you can go to discord.gg slash Paul Shear, where there's a discord. Uh, there's an unspooled discord there. They are saying their current vote leaders uh, right now, Kristen Stewart, Andrew Garfield and Ariana Du Bois. Uh, for are leading all their uh, significant categories. Um, also, in the supporting actor role, uh, Cody Smith McPhee, Troy Coster, and Mike Faced are all uh, going neck and neck. Mike Faced was quite good. 
Yes, and uh, Jane Campion is leading director by a wide margin. The Power of the Dog is leading the best picture, and the current runner-up for picture is Spider-Man No Way Home. So that's uh, some of the early tabulations of the uh, the spoolies uh, going on. That's what our, our audience has been into. I do think Power of Dog will win the big awards at the big night, but then I'm usually wrong, so we shall see. <laughs> um, Can I uh, shout out yeah, one, one other snub? that just occurred to me in best documentary where's the velvet underground where is todd haynes's velvet underground oh documentary? my gosh yeah now, that was one of the best documentaries i've ever i mean look i'm a todd haynes super fan anyway carol is one of my favorite movies safe is one of my favorite movies velvet goldmine is way up there but his velvet underground documentary is brilliant and just nothing i i don't think i saw it get nominated for a BAFTA for for anything. It just sort of came and went. But that's sad. That movie is something people should watch. It's a it's not just a documentary. It's a real proper audiovisual experience that gives you the feel of that group at that time. And it's it's just wonderfully made. And and we're, as we're talking about documentaries, I think we have to call it a glitch in the matrix, which was really interesting and different. And surprisingly, I don't know if it's worthy of it, but I'm surprised it didn't get nominated. The Val Kilmer documentary. A lot of people talked about that one. It's a big Hollywood story, which I think is also surprising in that way to have somebody reveal themselves and their and what they're going through. I was really I, I am surprised that that didn't that didn't yeah. get in the mix. And I would have loved to see All Light Everywhere up there for documentary. <gasps> Guys, we dropped the one that I wanted to talk about the most. I can't believe it. And I'm so happy that I just remembered it right now. What was Annette. It? Annette, oh, yeah. Annette oh, is the yeah. movie that blew my yes. mind. That that was the movie that I was telling everybody about. I can't believe I didn't I've I've given up hope of that movie like getting its proper due. <laughs> that movie blew my mind and it is truly great. I I watched that in the Sparks documentary, uh the Edgar Wright, which is also not nominated, right? The not Edgar nominated Wright, no. for anything. The Sparks Brothers, also fantastic. But I just didn't want to shout out two Edgar Wrights, but they're no, very different. The Sparks they're, Brothers is they're, great. Uh, they are aggressively different. I didn't know anything about the Sparks. Devin, you told me about the Sparks a while ago That's and right. and I didn't I was not uh I did not know. I watched the Sparks documentary and then I watched Annette and I think the combo of both of them actually made me love Annette more than I would have probably even liked Annette if I just saw it raw, uh, because I think I, I was so in that world. And so I understood the point of view, but man alive. Whoa. Both of those movies. That's a double feature that you must see. I can't, I can't believe that one of truly one of my favorite films of the year. I did not talk about that. Is, that is, that is Annette. Well, you know where it didn't get snubbed Paul is in France at the Cesar. Yes. And I won, saw that. I think best original score for the Sparks Brothers and best director for Leos Carax and other things too. I think some production design stuff. So like it, they they recognized it, but yeah, it is why that is a wild movie. And talk about like a movie that didn't even get in the mix at at uh, at the uh, Independent Spirit Awards because you're talking about like what they did on that budget and where you know. And I, I think that people can laugh at it and be like, oh, it's so weird. Oh, it's so bad. It's good. And I think oftentimes we like ridicule these things for taking chances. And that's a bummer too. Like I like rip on something like Valerian. We can say like, you know what? It didn't work or I don't think it worked perfectly, but I applaud what it was trying to do. Jupiter sending. I feel the same way. Like I applaud like more of these, please. That's the just, thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like our Oscars are taking cues from the Razzies and they just nominate the stuff that's never going to get nominated for a Razzie because the Razzies only nominate things that take bold chances because the Razzies are pitiful and whiny. Yeah. Right. 
Like we should, and the Razzies actually just reneged. The Razzies just pulled their uh, nomination for uh, Shelley Duvall in The Shining. They they had a retroactive uh, retraction. I'm uh, glad they did that, but that also shows that they just want to, I don't know, say the popular thing that everybody will agree with and they have no actual, like, they don't stand just, by any convictions that they have. I just felt mad, and I don't know, uh, I don't want to belabor this, but I did feel mad with people when people just wrote off Annette as being like, oh, that sucked, that was so lame. And I just feel like, but what I loved about it was it was like truly a work of art. Like it it bent what we understand a musical to be, what film to be. Like, I, I think, and I'm, I'm just, and look, I, I hope I'm not guilty of this, but I did feel like I love something so bold and confident. Like, that is so exciting. And you know what? It may not always work for me, but for it to be reduced to like, oh, I put this on with a group of friends and we get high and we just make fun of it. that <laughs> That's not that movie. I don't think that that, but I've heard so many people tell me that and I hate that. Now, Amy, I know that we talked about looking at the current nominees and going backwards at their previous work, but maybe we should switch it up. And I know that many people are probably sighing, wait, you're not going to do a Guillermo del Toro? We, wait, how dare you? But... I think a better use of our time, especially after our thesis today about the Academy Awards, is maybe shining a light on some film that didn't get enough light shined on it. And I think we've talked about four of them, and one just got in right under the buzzer, of films that I think are worthy of a bigger discussion. And those are Annette, The Green Knight, Last Night in Soho, and Zola. And we're going to let you decide. So wherever you want to Make your voice heard. You can go onto our Twitter. You can go onto our Discord, and you can make your voice heard. And we will pick whatever wins, because uh, I think that might be the best way mm-hmm. to end this Oscar series by celebrating uh, a movie that isn't getting enough celebration. Yeah, let's shine the light where it deserves. And we'll put in Adam's Family too, as well, because <laughs> you know, look, let's just round it out. <laughs> um, And uh, all right. So if you're okay with that, the voting is now open. We'll be tabulating the scores with plenty of time to make this decision based on your votes. So I'm very excited to get to this next film and then announce our brand new series. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Me too. Paul, always a pleasure dissecting this world of cinema with you and with everybody. Josh, Devin. Uh, thank you so much, Raven. Everybody, Raven, Molly, I will say one more thing, Amy, before you go, your gut, best picture, pick it. Let's do around the robin. Let's go. Everyone gets their one shot. What do you uh, what think? I want, what I want or what will? What will? Power. Okay. Josh? There's no overcoming the power of the dog this year, I think. Devin? Yeah. Yeah, I think it probably is power of the dog. Okay. Raven? Nightmare Alley. nice Uh, and I am going to go with Coda I think that Coda is going to be the one that is going to surprise us because I feel I just feel it in my bones and I'm always wrong so you feel it I feel like the opposite though I feel like you've consistently won like our unspoiled Oscar you kick my ass every year we we will see I mean we will see I I, my gut is yes I, I lose in the big categories Power of the Dog definitely has momentum but I just think that there might be something with this Oscar audience and if it oh wow now I'm also going West Side Story I'm sticking with Coda I'm sticking with Coda that's my that's my call and uh, we'll see you all next time on Unspooled
just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.